Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams, founder and CEO of Reliability X. And today we're going to talk about a topic that's kind of near and dear to me. It's uh, something I've done in my past history and is actually an incredibly valuable resource inside your plant. And uh, with us today is Mr. Cody Jackson. He owns an organization called Effective PDM that uh, we're going to learn all about, and we're going to have a nice deep dive conversation about infrared thermography. Cody, welcome to Practical Reliability. Hey, George. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Awesome. It's a pleasure. It, it's awesome to be here. Yeah, it's really cool to talk to you. I, I love talking about uh, talking to folks that are um, on the front line of everything that deals with reliability, right? I mean, we, we, we call the podcast Practical Reliability, but oftentimes we've got not that book authors aren't, you know, didn't spend time in the front line. They certainly did. But having people that are directly in the trenches and doing this every day is is near and dear to what we want to provide to our audience. So thank you so much for filling out the form. Thanks for, you know, agreeing to be on our podcast. It's awesome to have you here. So let's kind of start off with a little bit of background. Let Can you kind of introduce yourself and uh, let us know who Effective PDM is? All right. So I'm Cody Jackson from Minnesota. So I'm out here in South Central Minnesota. It's all uh, soybeans and corn all over. So big egg industry. And I grew up in the electrical industry. My actual, my dad started an industrial contracting business like 37 years ago. And so I grew up with that uh, heavily on the family side. So we're talking like dad, brother, uncle, cousin, uh, cousin-in-law, you know, on his side. So it's a lot of family there. It's, uh, you know, just under 20 team members. And we've been doing all the electrical industrial stuff locally, but then we started doing more reliability or predictive maintenance services nationwide about in 2014 or 2013. So started that. And that's what I really grew into is the reliability side, doing predictive maintenance, primarily infrared and ultrasound inspections for commercial industrial companies all across the U S and so it was heavily focused on the services. So we're the ones doing the work for you. Um, and how Effective PDM started was I've had contractors and customers ask me either while I was on a job or at a conference, how we actually do inspections. And I'm just like, what do you mean? How do you do inspections? Don't, how do you not know how to do an inspection? And so then I was like, okay, maybe they really don't know how to do it. And then I started looking around and I love the, the training I received in, industri in industrial and just infrared and ultrasound. I was like, these guys do a great job of giving everybody the overview, the theory of it, but I want to teach them how to do the actual work. Uh, so that's where Effective PDM was born. It's, it's focused on principles and tactics, the skills to actually have you do the actual work in your facility. So the, we're talking about the, the maintenance technicians, the electricians. This is their training so they can execute a predictive maintenance program, starting with infrared and then moving on from there to add other technologies. So heavily focused on execution over theory. Um, and I, I have a sense that practical reliability is kind of along the same uh, genre because of the name practical, you know, that's, that's exactly what effective PDM is as well. It's practical, realistic. It's how to do the actual work and do the inspections. Um, so it cuts out all the fluff. And so that's where I started the training. Uh, I do that online and I do it in person. So a lot of manufacturing companies with smaller teams that want to bring their predictive maintenance program in-house that maybe haven't started anything yet. They're moving from reactive to preventative. And they're like, okay, what's the easiest predictive maintenance technology? Infrared, let's start there. 
And so then I just get them started. So it's literally from zero to one, the basics, but the actual tactical training, the over the shoulder, virtual on the job type training online or over the shoulder in person when I'm, when I'm on site. Uh, that's awesome. There's so many things I love about what you just said. <laughs> and of course, all the practical stuff about it, because, you know, it's great to understand what the technology is, exactly what the camera is doing and, and how it, um, you know, receives infrared radiation and converts all that stuff. It's all great theory. And understanding how to even just use the camera is a, a whole nother training. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, folks make mistakes. They don't understand focus. <laughs> they don't understand span. They don't, they don't understand, like, it, you know, you only get one shot at that out in the field. You can make adjustments back at your desk, but focus is a, is a huge one. And your surroundings are, are a huge ordeal. Uh, ambient temperature, depending on what you're trying to do, is a huge ordeal. And you're bringing a sense of, well, now you understand the technology, and maybe you've got a certification, maybe you don't, but you've got to start using the tool where it collects dust. And lots of predictive maintenance tools exist today that have been sold with great intentions that are collecting dust. That is something that I've seen as well. It's, uh, I wrote a post about it recently because it is a pet peeve, and it's something that's been going on forever. I asked uh, the older mentors I have in the industry, you know, they started 35 years ago. They started when they had to carry just the huge contraptions on their shoulders or they had to wheel it in in a cart. Yeah. And even them, they've had stories of like, yeah, 20 years ago, this guy bought a $75,000 infrared imager. And then I walked in the next day and it was used to prop the door open. And that's, that's it. <laughs> and so the, the idea of like, let's get started. This is a great technology. That's all true. And everybody falls victim. The problem is, the execution. So everybody falls short of the execution. A lot of what I think really happens is they start it. They have a great couple technicians at their facility that do it. They get good and they decide they want a different job. They leave. And then the tools and the resources get stuck there on the shelf. And that's because, uh, because they're because talent no reliant. Because they're talent yeah. reliant, right? Like they, they didn't. Right. And this was kind of where I was going to go next in the conversation anyway. So great segue is how important is it to formalize the, the infrared utilization in terms of procedures, in terms of putting it into the CMMS versus we trained a guy and he has the camera, right? Like, or, or gal and, and they have the camera because you're right. What happens is the person gets promoted, the person moves on. And because we didn't have processes and procedures in place, we were talent reliant, right? And so when the talent leaves, so does the entire program. <laughs> exactly. So how do That's, you how uh, do you how do you help clients with um, the importance of proceduralizing what they're doing? Uh, that's a big part of my training process, as well as I actually just deliver them the SOPs. I give them the the cheat sheets, the templates, the SOPs, so that when I leave their training or when they're done with it online, they have everything they need to get started the next day and just execute. So say we have an awesome training and everybody's like, "Wow, this is so amazing! I love infrared!" Blah 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 blah. The next day they come to work, they're groggy, they have their coffee, they're like, oh, what did Cody, how are we supposed to do this again? And then like, oh yeah, just look at the SOP. And they just say, okay, step one, step two. Okay, I got it, I remember, I'm doing it. And then they just continue on and do the SOP. So systems is a big deal. Uh, that aids execution, as everyone knows, because talent is out there, people are really smart, but if they don't record their systems and how they're smart, 
uh, it just gets lost. So the, the CMMS programs are great. There's tons of software for every, you know, every type of predictive maintenance, reliability, there's all kinds of stuff. But when it comes down to it, it's a simple, like, here's the process. You can add in your software where you want, but follow these steps and you'll accomplish the goal. And I think they're really important on a predictive maintenance side because predictive maintenance is all about repeatability, right? And taking, uh, you know, the same types of readings and very consistently. Um, infrared, yep. uh, depending on whether or not you need to be accurate, slightly different than some of the other technologies. But in general, predictive maintenance technologies require you to repeat the test precisely so that you can, you know, spot trends and see differences and all those things. So procedural is great. I love the fact that, you know, part of the training is, is here. It's not a, it's not a, uh, an add on sale. And, and we're much the same way as an organization. And we're not going to pretend like we've never done an FMEA on a pump before. You know, we, we come in and go, no, we have that, you know, um, <laughs> versus other organizations. Anyway, so I love the fact that your, your approach is that because it is very practical. And I love the fact that, you know, effective PDM, that's, that, that we have to be effective before efficient. And so that's, that's always good. Right. So talk me through um, some client success stuff. So, and without being specific to the individualized client, um, what are things like when you go into a typical facility? Um, are, do they already have an upstanding program? Or are they usually calling you because they've got no idea what infrared is, but they saw some really cool military videos? Like, um, what's your typical way in? So infrared, obviously, it's been around for a long time. And the, in, the entire industry is typically driven by insurance companies, uh, especially in the U.S. anyways. And so they already are usually aware of it, even at the, like the VP level of like manufacturing or operations. They know they've had it because they've had their commercial insurance carrier tell them, you need to do these inspections annually. So in the past, they may have already hired a contractor like, you know, like my company in the past to do the service for them. Uh, and then they realize like, hey, we have a team. We have a couple imagers. Let's let's bring this program in-house. And so that's where like effective PDM was taken over. So some of the manufacturers I work with are typically they've done a lot of good things as far as they started PMs. They they're not completely reactive and they have just enough team members. And so if we take the whole team member shortage equation out of the way and, and pretend that if they do have four guys at a facility, that's probably really good and all they really need to start. Um, then I would just teach them how to start and do it. So they would find me through a service provider, word of mouth, or just finding me online or through LinkedIn. And then we'd get a hold of them and it would, it would be the conversation like, hey, we've, we know about infrared, we'd like to start. Uh, we'd like to bring this, this program in house. Can you help me? And at that point I say, great, yes, I can. Um, how many facilities do you have? Where do you want training? What type of avenue, if it's online or if it's in person? And some of the success stories would be like uh, a couple manufacturing companies I've worked with had nine facilities and they just had, you know, two to four guys at each facility, which is great to start. You know, like they would love to have six to eight, but they had four or they had two if it was a smaller one. And they already had imagers, a couple of them. They just needed to buy a few more for the others. And then once they had that, I was able to come in, train them how to use it at their own facility, how to go do an electrical infrared inspection at their own facility, uh, give them the templates, like I said, the SOP to follow so that when I left, they could just continue that on. Uh, and so the overall goal 
from the 30,000 foot view, we all know is to reduce downtime. But with electrical, there's also a big compliance and safety aspect of it. That's why insurance companies, you know, push it because of the safety aspect and because they know that infrared on a conservative basis is a four to one cost savings. So they know that no matter what they do for inspections, they're going to save four times that in cost avoidance. So it's just one of those real easy, low hanging fruits that they can just start with to see some quick hits, to get some, get some success. And they can always add on later and they can get more advanced later. But my goal is just to teach them how to do the job so that their maintenance, their maintenance techs at that level are able to do it. And then the maintenance manager knows how to explain it the way that I taught them and just keep guys going to do it. Yeah. Uh, so that was recently the most successful one is the multi-facilities, you know, 28 to 30 guys all over the facilities. And they just wanted to get something started and they wanted it to be repeatable at the same facility, the same way. And the guys train the same way as well. So that's, that's type of the, that's who I'm looking for is the ones that aren't super high advanced. They've already, you know, like talked about the fortune 10 or whatever, they already have reliability engineers that are degreed, but there's industries in manufacturing that are kind of just pushed to the wayside that are, that are still in the way, you know, reactive mode that just want to get a little bit better. And that little bit better will make huge improvements for their facility. And so that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for the giants. I'm looking for the, the mid-level manufacturing companies, the 20 to eight to 20 to hundred million dollar production that have two to, you know, 15 facilities, something like that, because they're the ones that really could use somebody to show them, how do we do this? And then that's my specialty is to come in and show them how to do it. Love it. Love it. I, you know, I, I've done a little bit of research and there's 400,000 manufacturing plants in the United States and only 7,000 reliability engineers. So there's plenty yeah. of room for you, to, for you to go find some work. Um, all right. So let's get into the practical meat and potatoes here. So talk to me about uh, safety embedded in an infrared program. Right. So when I train, I'm starting with electrical infrared inspections. So anything with electrical, you obviously have a lot of safety concerns and you have to have some training. So built into my training, I have to go through arc flash electrical safety, uh, especially for thermographers, because they're the ones that use infrared technology. And so we walk through that. So that's um, literally like, here's how you are safe. Here's what you do when you see an electrical panel. You read the label, you follow the appropriate PPEs, you take the right steps that you're supposed to take to be able to open and close and to be able to inspect, take down your data and then close it safely. So the process is really simple. The safety aspect just comes from some general awareness of electrical and arc flash safety. Plus, um, mostly it's recommended to have, if they've done arc flash at their facility to have like a four hour training on arc flash electrical safety. So most companies already have that because that's a compliance issue that they take care of usually quicker than they get to doing the services like I do. Um, so they already have an understanding and I just teach them how to apply that understanding to an electrical infrared inspection. So every step they take with me is the same safety step they're supposed to follow. Just this is the exact tasks we do. Here's the consequences or here's the risks. Here's how we avoid them specifically to doing this inspection. Yeah. Um, all right. So next piece, talk to me about um, removing physical intervention tasks that infrared now covers. 
physical intervention yeah, tasks. Like tighten, uh, tighten the connections, right? Like how many folks have PMs that say, go check the connection, and they're not using a torque screwdriver. They're just bearing down on these things, right? So when we move into using an electrical infrared inspection, those things should no longer be necessary. Um, but oftentimes when I go into a plant, they'll have the infrared camera, but they still have the PM sitting there that says, go tighten all the connections. Right. So predictive maintenance and preventive maintenance, that's that this versus that situation. You know, you're going from a time-based preventive maintenance saying tighten every connection to predictive with infrared saying, here's the seven connections. Only this one is loose. Let's tighten that one. So you save on time and you save on, you know, chances of over tightening and cracking some porcelain or something that you have to replace the whole unit or the whole lug unit. So you just, it just helps you save time because you're only fixing the problems that need to be fixed versus correcting everything, whether it needs to be fixed or not. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Awesome. So as a thermographer out in the field, uh, talk to me about the importance of, um, surroundings, lighting, focus, all the basic stuff. Great. So there's fundamentals of infrared that apply just to electrical. So obviously infrared could do any, any type of industry, you know, they could do building envelope, you could do solar, you could do all kinds of stuff. But when it talks, when you're talking about manufacturing facilities, electrical systems, they're typically 480 volt and down. Sometimes they have medium voltage, sometimes they don't. Um, so when you're looking at electrical assets, like electrical panels, switch gear, motor control, centrals, disconnects, control panels, transformers, you're opening these things up, you know, with the proper safety protocols, you're doing visual inspections, looking for anything that might be wrong, any duh problems, like you can't do that, that looks obviously something weird. And then safety issues, like there's a huge hole in this panel that needs to be covered. And then infrared wise, there's only a few things that you really have to worry about. Uh, if you get into infrared, you're gonna talk about emissivity, transmission and you're going to look at you talked about focus earlier so those are those are things that are fundamental to infrared that you learn through any level one or any infrared class but applying them to electrical you're looking at shiny objects all day you're looking at lugs you're looking at bus everything's shiny and reflective so it's going to it's some of it's going to reflect your own body heat back to you through the infrared imager so learning how to distinguish what is a problem what's not uh, you know, the simple, you know, they, they call it the, the thermographer shuffle. It's where if you're looking at an electrical panel 90 degrees and you see something hot, if you just right. shift over and get a different angle, if it moves, it was a reflection. If it doesn't move, it was probably something that's actually hot. So like little simple techniques that we teach you in infrared fundamentals, applying it to electrical, it's just being aware of reflection is a huge thing the emissivity level of it. Um, transmission, if you can't open a panel and you're looking through an infrared window, you need to know how to adjust your transmission level to be able to see the accurate temperature inside. But basically when you do the inspections, I'm only concerned about comparing light components to light components. So if you look at a main breaker in a, in a main panel, you're gonna see A, B, and C phase on the line side. So you're gonna compare A to B to C and try to find the temperature difference or the delta. And you're just gonna do some form of that throughout the entire system. You're gonna look at line side, load side, bodies, you know, connections, lugs, everything that you think, anytime there's a connection that could be loose where resistance could build up, 
creating heat, that's kind of what you're looking for. So really it's a overcomplicated way of saying it, but basically just watch out for reflections, learn how to distinguish between them, know how to use the simple art of thermography, like the thermographer shuffle, distance focus. Um, some of those things are, you know, any 101 infrared class will teach you those basics, but in electrical, you're more focused on everything shiny. How do you distinguish between what's shiny and what's just, what's actual resistance building up and heat. Um, so those are just things that training goes through. Nice. And uh, so I'm a thermographer. I go out and I'm looking at a main breaker and, and you know, um, A is 10 degrees hotter than B and C. How do I know I don't have a load imbalance? So if you, depending, so when there's thermography priority matrices, and so you could, there's different, like three or four different kinds that you can look at, like military standard, there's like an ambient one. But what we use is like a basic NETA standard. And so the NETA standard, it gives you a certain temperature range, like zero to say like 15 or 25 degree. It'll give you what level of infrared problem that is based on that heat. And so you only really start developing for us at 11 degrees Fahrenheit is where we start to mark a problem. So if it hits an 11 degree temperature delta between A and B phase, then we would look at it. Uh, part of the data collection phase of infrared is actually getting load measurements if you can safely get in there and do it. So taking a load measurement to see that A, B, and C phase are all the same or one is way off, that obviously helps you troubleshoot to make corrections in the future. So part of the data collection is getting load measurements, taking down, um, you know, max voltage, taking down amp sizes, uh, making visual inspections as well. So all that data collection goes into your reporting to help you troubleshoot basically, or find what the real problem is. Yeah. All really important points, especially the first time you go take a, a you know, your, your inspection, Gathering yep. all that baseline information is incredibly important. Plus, you can knock out a few minor issues, like you said, holes in panels, blanks that don't have an actual blank in them. Like, yeah. there's so many non infrared related defects that exist in the electrical system that can be found by a well trained thermographer um, that still benefit the organization and reduce the likelihood of failure, right? All that dust getting into the cabinet's not good. So, um, really, really, really good points. How about on the, so, so do you offer services on the non-electrical side, things, you know, outside of, uh, electrical inspections with infrared? So through our reliability company, electrical and reliability solutions company, we do infrared ultrasound motor circuit analysis, and then PM shutdown work. Uh, but since we're an electrical contractor, our focus is electrical. So. I'm not going to go in there and do any building envelope inspections. I'm not going to use technologies to find any of that. I will do everything that, that powers a motor. So if it's electrical power to an electrical motor, so that's where we can go okay. do anything in an electrical system, anything down to a motor, but that's kind of our wheelhouse. So we, we stay in our lane there uh, because we have experience and we're around it daily. And it's just, it's something that we kind of do and we know inherently. Uh, and it's something that we also can help with. You know, it's surprising how many people are, don't know electrical systems. And it just, even for me, it just surprises me every time I see somebody that's even a maintenance person that's around it, but doesn't know the basics of it. So we try to educate when we can and stay in our lane as far as electrical reliability services and then training. 
Yeah, well, it's a critical function, right? I mean, as we see throughout right. the industry, when power failures occur because of some defect inside a panel someplace, it's not good. And it's not usually something, you know, especially if they're sizable breakers, it's not usually something that's sitting in the storeroom all the time, right? So even if it's something you can get relatively quickly, you're, you're down, right? Um, not everybody's carrying a spare everything inside the electrical cabinet, right? So right. that's a significant potential issue. Talk to me about the, some, of the, um, some of the more interesting finds you may have seen. Gosh, there's there's all kinds of stuff that you'll see. Um, so being across the nation for us from Minnesota, anytime we go down South, we always wonder what kind of critters are in the electrical system. So that's always a surprise when you see like a lizard that jumps out on your shoulder as you're opening a disconnect, or there's those little mud wasps and like hornets that are like building houses inside disconnects oh, yeah. outside. We're just like, Oh, great. Now I'm going to get stung. And so that kind of stuff, uh, snakes under transformers outside. So, those are interesting things up around us. It's like uh, in the grain industry, it's mostly, you know, mice getting into electrical motor control centers and just literally getting electrocuted phase to phase across the tops as they're running around in the winter. So we'll, we'll pop open like a, an MCC room out in a grain elevator. That's just got four or five dead mice, mice that have been electrocuted throughout the, the time. So those are funny finds, uh, actual thermography finds that have been really helpful is, We've seen some pretty intense temperature differences, upwards of 400 degrees oh. Fahrenheit, to where things are literally melting in your in your face. You can you go open something up, and you're like, oh crap, I got to step back because this is serious. So we've had to shut down some pretty critical processes because they're on the verge of of catastrophe. Basically, um, you know, we've we've seen we've seen 480 volt um, big motor starters that have burnt phase like b phase was burnt off and it was about to touch another phase oh wow and it's those things that you obviously can catch that way before that with infrared but the electrical system we find is often left for dead until something blows up so if people aren't inspecting it regularly they're like oh it was a brand new building we, it was just built this this thing is perfect it's running you know and then 20 years go by they're like oh yeah we probably should inspect it and that's when you just find the real serious stuff. It's it's the first time they start checking it. You're like, holy crap! How did they not blow up already? This is this yeah, is crazy. I, so I remember doing a, an inspection uh, as part of a commissioning process, and when they ran the lines to the main disconnect for this particular unit, <clears throat> they must have ran out of cable. So you know, three five aught cables with a flying splice in the middle of a cabinet, and one of the legs is like. 140 degrees hotter than the other ones like and it's a i mean it's brand new you're commissioning the thing right you're like mm -hmm. how 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 do we allow stuff like that but it happens all over the place right i mean it, it's it's not an uncommon scenario right and think about like in bigger industrial facilities all those huge motors like 400 plus horsepower motors that and when they start and stop it shakes concrete and so anything on that concrete is also getting shooken. And then every connection in any of your electrical panel or MCC has more vibration and it's starting to get looser. And then just every time it turns on and off, it's heating up and cooling down. So it's, it's expanding and tr contracting and connections naturally come loose. And so if you don't have a program in place to inspect that stuff, at least annually, um, you really, you could really run into some serious issues 
having some of that big equipment go down because of something simple you could have caught months ago. Yeah. And you had mentioned earlier that these things are a cost avoidance, right? And uh, you know, right. the d difference for people that, that uh, may not quite know, um, if it's a cost savings, I can take it out of my budget. If it's uh, if I can't just remove it from my budget next year, then it's not a cost savings, right? So um, a cost avoidance is something you um, effectively did not spend but could have should the event have occurred, right? Um, so all fantastic points, um, Cody. Um, so how, how do folks get, uh, get to know you a little better, get in touch with um, Effective PDM and, and learn more about your services? Yeah, so you could find me on LinkedIn, Cody Jackson. Um, you'll probably have a link in the podcast or something. Otherwise, EffectivePDM.com. Um, and those two are the best ways. And then since, you know, a lot of B2B stuff is just phone call and email. So get a hold of me through some of those contacts on there. But if you just want to follow some of the information I, I put out or educate on, LinkedIn is a good place where I try to post content uh, every day, weekly. Um, and then trying to train on that. So that's the best, just EffectivePDM.com or LinkedIn. All right, and uh, this year conferences, you will or won't attend, or are you gonna have a booth at any? Uh, w what's the plans this year? I've actually been looking into that. I was just at an infrared conference in January, and I was looking at um, a couple, like a reliable plants conference, or like the, um, is it IMC, IMC? something mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. So possibly some of those. I don't know that I would have a booth uh, since the training I do, it's, it's um, you know, what I've really been focused on as well is creating the best online training compared to what's out there. Uh, and so a lot of that online budget is, is spent on that versus an in-person booth. But I'm also thinking about just speaking at a few events because that's also a good way to be be out there without having to be sitting at a booth for eight hours out of the day. Nice. Excellent. Well, I, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us on Practical Reliability. I, we barely scratched the surface of everything that deals with electrical um, infrared inspections. And so hopefully we'll have you back on if, uh, if you're okay with that. Um, but anyway, anyhow, I want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been a really good conversation and one that adds value to our listeners. So thanks again. Really, really good conversation. Thanks, George. Hopefully it was useful. You know, you always want to live by that usefulness principle. <laughs> Try to be useful at least. So awesome. hopefully that's the case. Awesome. For Cody Jackson from Effective PDM, I'm George Williams. Go make tomorrow better than today.